where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs eleven fourteen. I am Rob West. Those are wise words in any situation, but particularly when it comes to your finances. Are you seeking the safety of a wise financial counselor? I'll talk about that today with Rachel McDonough. Then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Well, it's always great to have our friend Rachel McDonough on the program. She's a certified financial planner and a certified kingdom advisor, and she's seen firsthand the benefits of getting outside advice on managing money. Rachel, great to have you with us today. Thanks, Rob. Happy to be here and have some outside counsel myself, even as a financial advisor. So this is a great topic. Well, you know, it's something we encourage advisors here at Kingdom Advisors to do. And I know you've taken that counsel and applied that in your own life and might be surprising to some folks to hear that financial advisors actually have financial advisors, but it's important for everyone. So let's start there. Why is it especially important for Christians to seek wise counsel uh, about their finances? And by that, uh, I mean someone whose values align with their own. Yeah, you know, any financial advisor who's competent can help clients achieve their financial goals, things like getting ready for retirement or deciding how they're going to pay for college planning. But a Christian financial advisor with a biblical worldview is really uniquely able to connect with a client and help them to make financial decisions in right relatedness with Mm -hmm. God and with other people. So for an example, a Christian financial advisor is going to encourage clients to listen for and follow the voice of the wonderful counselor himself, the Holy Spirit. And John 16 tells us that the job description of the Holy Spirit is literally to lead us and guide us into all truth. And that's just not something that you're going to find with a Mm. typical financial advisor engagement. Mm. Another great example of that right relatedness concept would come in our investing A lot of Christian investors would like to invest in a way that aligns with their biblical values and not have profits in their portfolio coming from things like pornography or tobacco or industries that are generally harmful to people. So having a Christian advisor with a Christian worldview is just going to be able to connect with them on that level. And then I would say the third thing, Rob, is that it's just a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of clients that I've met just maybe one or two times, a prospective new client that I've just met for the first time, there's already that spirit of unity and bond of peace. And I can't say that every time a Christian connects with another Christian, there's going to be that magical moment. But I do know that it's happened way too many times for me to ignore or to chalk up as coincidence. Mm -hmm. There's just something special about the family of God coming together And that spirit of unity and bond of peace and the sweetness of that fellowship is really a treasure. Mm, That's so good and convincing as to why we should absolutely look for an advisor who shares our values and can walk with us with God's Word at the center. Uh, So then for those folks who are saying, all right, Rachel, what should I look for then in a financial advisor? What counsel would you have? Yeah, of course you want to find someone with competence, And so that means even if they're a Christian, they still need to have some core competencies and be qualified to give financial advice. 
And unfortunately, Rob, the title of financial advisor can mean many different things. There's a a great variety of uh, degree of education and competence that comes with that same title. So finding someone who has some quality professional designations, and then, of course, that certified kingdom advisor designation is going to be the one that really allows us to know for sure that that advisor has been trained in biblical financial principles. The last thing I would say is also just trying to find someone, especially if you're the primary financial decision maker in your household, trying to find an advisor that your spouse can relate to. Because sometimes it takes a a certain candor and a, a certain type of competency from an advisor to get them to be able to connect to our spouses and draw out our spouse's priorities and goals and have those be included in the financial plan. Mm, that was so good. Well, Rachel, I know the time went quick, but thanks for laying out the case for why we should seek out a Christian financial advisor and what we should be looking for when we do so. I hope you'll come back real soon. Thanks, Rob. All right. That was Rachel McDonough, Certified Financial Planner and Certified Kingdom Advisor. If you'd like to find a CKA to connect with, just go to our website, faithfi.com and click Find a CKA. That's faithfi.com and click Find a CKA. We'll be right back. Stay with us. What if buying groceries, gas, or dining out could help change lives? With Christian Community Credit Union's Cards That Give to Missions, you can help spread the gospel, combat human trafficking, and protect vulnerable children with every purchase at no cost to you. Apply for your card today. More information is available at joinchristiancommunity.com. That's joinchristiancommunity.com. The Credit Union is an underwriter of this ministry. Membership eligibility required. We are grateful for support from Praxis Mutual Funds. Praxis Mutual Funds has seven impact strategies that are designed to create positive real-world change. More information is available at PraxisMutualFunds.com. The fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses are contained in the prospectus and summary prospectus. This and other information is available at PraxisMutualFunds.com. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Foresight Fund Services, LLC. I'm so glad you've joined us today on Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West, your host, and that's right here in a new year. We have a new name that we think better reflects the heart of the ministry to start with our faith and allow our values and priorities as believers to inform our financial decisions. So what are you thinking about today financially? We'd love to hear from you. Calls are coming in, but still a few lines open at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000 to Michigan. Susan, go right ahead. I have a sibling who uh, has fallen apart in hard times. He has never been a good money manager, number one, but his wife passed away and he came to learn that um, she put their mortgage on, I guess, forbearance uh, and extended for a while. Right. And that note has come due. Evidently, their mortgage was sold to a broker and the broker is telling them to pay like $10,000 and then um, they'll put that six months that's due on the back end of the loan. I just don't know if this is the right thing to do because my sibling does not manage money very well at all. And he he's not speaking to me directly. He's having this all dealt with his stepchildren. And I'm a little uncomfortable. Now, I yeah. I have the money, but I don't know that... 
doing this is going to be helpful. And the house is, the value is uh, like $30,000 worth more than what they owe. And I suggested maybe selling it and getting what he can and moving into an apartment, but he doesn't want to leave the house. So what do I do? Yeah, why is he not talking to you directly about this, Susan? He doesn't know. He doesn't know. He keeps saying, well, yeah, his stepdaughter knows all about it. And he doesn't know enough about it to speak about it. Yeah. Well, um, you know, that those are all red flags to me. I mean, everything you've said is, is a red flag where you're throwing good money after bad in the sense that it's never a bad thing to help somebody in need. The problem is you're not really helping someone who mishandles money by giving them more. And sometimes we have to experience the consequences of our decisions to start making better ones. And the worst thing that can happen to your sibling in this case is foreclosure. And that's not the end of the world. People recover from that all the time, usually much wiser because they learn something from it. Uh, you've obviously got to consider your relationship as well. And uh, you do need to think about that. You want to do whatever you're going to do in love with clear and open and honest communication. But I don't think the automatic response here is just to throw money in this situation because you have no reason to believe that money's not going to be eaten up in legal fees because he's not going to keep this current and all of a sudden it gets foreclosed on anyway except now you've just thrown some money down the drain. So I think he needs to be willing to sit with you and talk about a plan and perhaps bring a third party in that can walk alongside you all. You can say, listen, I want to be a part of the solution, but only in the context of a plan with accountability that makes sense because otherwise I'm not helping you or myself. And that doesn't honor the Lord. Uh, Also, the big red flag for me is that he's not even willing to communicate with you about this. He's going through uh, uh, other people in the family. But give me your thoughts on what I shared. Um, Your your comments resonate with what I've been battling with inside. Uh, My only question is, is it, can he still sell the house outright if it's in foreclosure? Well, he'd have to do, uh, he's possible that he could get it out of foreclosure. He'd have to work with the lender. Keep in mind, they don't want to foreclose if they don't have to. Uh, so he could convert it to what's called a short sale, uh, but they're going to want to maximize the amount they can get out of it. And if him selling it would help them to get more out of it, it's possible, depending upon what stage it's in, for this money to be pulled out of foreclosure. But he's going to have to immediately begin working with and communicating with the lender to see if they'd be willing to put this on the market and get it sold as a short sale. And that is an option, but he's going to have to, you know, move on that pretty quickly. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you. All right, Susan, listen, uh, you be praying about this because we'll ask the Lord to give you some wisdom here as you navigate this. We obviously want the relationship to come out stronger. We want him to, you know, perhaps have an encounter with the Lord as a result of this and as he sees his need and dependence for a Savior. And uh, we also want him to get on a healthy financial track, and we'll uh, just pray that the Lord uses you in that process. And I know it's not easy, so you hang in there. Thanks for your call today. To Idaho, Patricia, thank you for calling. Go right ahead. Yes, my husband and I are selling an apartment building, and we're trying to decide what to do with the funds. It's all paid for, so there's no debt on it whatsoever. We don't want to put it into the 1031 exchange because we don't want to take on more responsibility and and things to do. We're not excited about putting it in the stock market because uh, really we've been advised maybe not right now. 
So our financial investment person and our accountant have recommended that we put this money into um, something that's called a real estate investment trust. And that way, uh, it's considered to be an exchange. We won't have to pay the taxes and the capital gains on it right now. Um, So I'm wondering what your opinion is of that type of a trust. Uh, Yeah. So essentially, a real estate investment trust is like a mutual fund for real estate, uh, which gives you the benefit of real estate ownership, but in a more passive environment and with much more diversification, because instead of being in one particular piece of real estate, you would be in multiple properties. And, uh, you know, depending on the fund, it could be in commercial properties or residential or a mix of the two. And uh, so anytime you can get diversification, that's usually a good thing because you're not at the risk of one particular uh, property. The challenge is that uh, in just about every case that I know, you can't uh, use a 1031 exchange with a real estate investment trust, and except for some very limited cases with something uh, that's called a Delaware Statutory Trust or a DST, which is essentially uh, like a real estate investment trust, has similar benefits, and it's a trust that owns, you know, one or many properties. So you can still get the same diversification uh, of a REIT. You know, you may have 10 or 20 properties um, and it can qualify for a 1031 exchange, but you're going to need to have somebody who really understands this world, who can act as your intermediary. And then you're going to need an agent that's also familiar here. Uh, You know, typically you'd have an attorney that uh, is a part of this team and then your CPA. So you're going to need competent professionals who really understand this space. And like I say, um, everything I've ever seen is that real estate investment trusts do not qualify as a suitable replacement property for a 1031 exchange with the uh, because the Internal Revenue Code says that it has to be a like-kind property. And uh, our, uh, you know, real estate investment trusts just don't qualify as a like-kind property. So I would do quite a bit more due diligence, Patricia, before you proceed with this and really have somebody who specializes in this area to help you make this decision. I can understand why you'd want to do the 1031 to kind of kick the can down the road on the capital gains. That makes sense. And if you really are leery of the stock market and like owning real estate, um, you know, if you go into something like this through a DST that could qualify for a 1031, then I like the idea that you'd get more diversification as long as you have somebody who's managing it that's really experienced and, you know, they have, uh, you know, they're selecting properties that are very high quality that are going to perform well for you over time. Does all that make sense, though? Yes. Yes, it does. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. We appreciate you checking with us today. Let us know how it turns out. But uh, if you do find a suitable replacement that qualifies for the 1031, I think the direction you're headed uh, could be a great option for you guys in, in terms of what you're trying to accomplish. We appreciate your call today. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you enjoy this radio program, you're going to love all of the many different resources waiting for you at faithfi.com. You'll find more powerful wisdom, podcasts, articles, videos, and more from partners like the National Christian Foundation, Sound Mind Investing, and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Connect with the community of thousands of Christians striving to be good and faithful stewards and check out all of the free biblical financial advice. 
at faithfi.com. We are grateful for support from LightPoint Portfolios, which seeks out family and faith-friendly investments for 401k and 403b plans, integrating faith values and fiduciary duty. LightPoint Portfolios offers retirement plans for a variety of organizations such as businesses, nonprofits, and churches. And we're grateful for their sponsorship of the MoneyWise program. More information is available at lightpointportfolios.com. Delighted to have you with us today on Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West, your host, taking your calls and questions, 800-525-7000. Back to the phones we go to St. Louis, Missouri. Mary, thank you for your patience. You go right ahead. Hi. Um, I have, hi, Mary. Uh, hi, I got a question. Um, I am ex-military, and I get a pension. I get and I guess disability. Um, I have uh, put part of my 401k into gold and silver uh, and transferred it over there, but I still have like uh, a balance of, you know, 30 plus uh, thousand to uh, in my 401k now that with my employer I have now. So I have uh, $25,000 in credit card debt. And I was wondering if I should uh, take the, if I could take the three, the 401k balance and uh, pay off my credit cards with that, if that would be okay, it was a good move. Yeah, I mean, I'd love for you to get rid of that credit card debt, especially now, Mary. I mean, those variable rates on credit cards are really climbing in light of what's going on with interest rates right now. Um, so you said, give me the rundown. You've got 25000 in credit card debt, and then what are the, the various assets that you have available? I have... Fifty thousand, or four, I'm sorry, uh, thirty-five thousand. Actually, I think it's forty now. Forty thousand in gold and silver, and I have some. And that's uh, inside of a retirement plan. Yeah, it it was just switched over okay. from the four hundred one k to whatever gold uh, asset thing. Um, but I. Okay, they, but they, is it in an IRA? Yes. Yeah. Uh, on a gold, a gold okay. IRA, right. I guess. Yep. And then what other assets do you have available? Um, I do have some crypto. Yeah. Okay. And, do you have uh, any liquid savings? Uh, probably about a thousand in savings. Okay. Okay. All right. And then what are your income sources right now? Well, I have a full-time job, and I am also getting my uh, military uh, retirement and um, okay. and disability. Very good. And uh, when you look at all of those, do you have any margin left over at the end of the month uh, after all the bills are paid? That's pretty close, but I have a little bit, like maybe, you know, 300 because I try to make extra payments on the cards so they would go down a little bit faster. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I think th- uh, that's the key. You know, I would rather you uh, do a couple of things, I think, here. I mean, number one, you're over 59 and a half, so you're not going to have a penalty. So you could pull this money out and just wipe out the debt. The challenge is that's going to leave you with very little for the future, and it's all going to be taxable to you. So it'll be added to your taxable income for the year and could bump a portion of that up into a higher bracket. Uh, so that's number one. Number two is I'd, you know, really love for us to preserve that. And so the other way to approach these credit cards is through what's called debt management, where you'd work through a credit counseling agency. We use Christian credit counselors. They're just wonderful. They've worked with thousands of our listeners, and they help folks get out of debt on average 80% faster. Because what would happen is the the cards would be closed. They'd put in be put into the debt management program. You'd pay one fixed monthly payment uh, for repayment and the, uh, interest rates would be adjusted lower. It will vary depending on the card, but they'll come significantly lower, which allows you to send the majority of what you're sending each month toward principal and not interest. And then you could let that 401k keep growing. I'd rather it not be all highly concentrated in precious metals though. I think that's just going to be a little more volatile and not as good a long-term performance. Historically speaking, I'd rather see you put that into a properly diversified stock and bond portfolio. And then the key is just to live well within your means. I'd love for you to take any margin that you have above the monthly payment to the debt management program and build up an emergency savings equal to three to six months expenses. So I'd try to get that $1,000 up to you know, whatever your expenses are times three or times six, somewhere in there. Um, so that when you have to fall back on something for the unexpected, it's not taking on more credit card debt. You're able to cover that out of your savings. And we break the cycle of the credit cards and get out of debt once and for all. My fear is that not only would pulling from the 401k be expensive because you've got the tax on top of it, but it may result in a temporary solution that doesn't resolve the real underlying issue, which is we really need to dial back spending to free up more margin. And you might call me in six months and say, guess what, Rob, you know, the credit cards are back. Uh, maybe it's not 25,000, maybe it's five or 10,000, but I think we've got to break the cycle to the extent this is still an issue of living beyond your means. Um, so that would be my preferred approach, Mary, is to use the debt management, keep the 401k intact, get that rebalanced in terms of the investment strategy, and then really focus in on building up the emergency fund. But give me your thoughts. Okay. Um, now, the, the the debt that I have is from uh, trying to do a startup business. So okay. I'm, I'm not overspending okay. So it wasn't just lifestyle spending. No. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like, and the challenge with those are, as you probably have experienced, and obviously I know nothing about what your startup business is, so I'm just talking generally here, but the challenge is it often takes more money and more time than we think to get a business up and running, and it can end up being kind of a money pit that we just sink money, more and more money into. And, and if we don't have the financial kind of foundation to draw from to get that business started and do it in a way that's actually, you know, going to get it launched properly um, when we're trying to band-aid it together with with credit cards, that's, you know, can be a real challenge as well. Do you have reason to believe, you know, that is going to be successful in the near term? I think so, actually. I'm, I've got a few sales already starting to come through. So um, it, it's, it's uh, yeah. you know, I, I don't expect it to go overnight, but it, it's, it's uh, growing. Yeah. 
so it's, it's yeah. not like the challenge is just it doesn't sound like you really have any way anything in the way of reserves and that's just a, a little bit of a difficult spot to be in with your we've got a new business startup so you know you're kind of right up to the edge there in terms of nothing to fall back on especially if the 401k is gone now we really don't have anything it really is only credit cards that we have as an option there so i i think i would go this approach get on a monthly payment with christiancreditcounselors.org Uh, Take another look at that uh, gold IRA and look at getting a different investment strategy there and just try to build up reserves as quickly as you can so that, um, you know, if the business doesn't uh, materialize as quickly as you think, we've broken the cycle of having to get, you know, use credit cards to fill in the gaps. Um, We'll certainly ask the Lord to give you some wisdom. I know these are not uh, easy uh, conversations or uh, decisions to make, but I'm confident you'll make the right one. Mary, we appreciate your call today. Thank you for stopping by today. Thank you for listening and being a part of the program. I want to say thank you to my team, Amy, Dan, and Jim Henry. Uh, Thank you for being here. Come back and join us tomorrow, will you? I'll be here. We'll look for you then. God bless you. Bye-bye. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.